0: The second set of cases were of multiple myeloma. To begin, we asked three physicians to briefly present the initial courses of patients who were transplant eligible but who had a diverse cytogenetics. Dr.
1: Schwartz began. The patient is a 49 year old fit gentleman, a semiconductor salesman, who developed some very mild low back pain in early 2007. He went to see his internist. The back pain actually ended up not being important, but he was found to have on blood work an elevated total protein. And he was actually referred to me for evaluation of high total protein. And on the workup, he was found to have a monoclonal IgG lambda protein of 5,100 milligrams per deciliter. He had no anemia, no renal insufficiency or hypercalcemia. His beta-2 microglobulin was normal. And in the urine, there was a low level of benz proteinuria. I did a bone marrow biopsy, which demonstrated more than 70% plasma cells. And the cytogenetic studies demonstrated a chromosome 13 Q14 deletion. For the rest of his workup, his bone survey, just so it's small lytic lucencies without any evidence of anything that was going to be a problem. So I had a person who was really somewhat shocked that he even had problem because it was found on a total protein and he was asymptomatic with obvious myeloma with high-risk chromosome results. So before we get into some
0: of the recent research and the issue about choice of therapy, I'm curious about your thoughts, Bob, in terms of the relationship of the transplanter and the doc in practice. We've talked to community-based docs and a lot of them say, well, you know, in terms of upfront therapy, I just do what the transmitter tells me to do, and they kind of don't seem like they're as involved as you might expect. What do you think about this sort of dynamics between the two docs in this situation?
2: Well, I think even in an academic setting, I try to let our transplanters know fairly early on about newly diagnosed patients that we're inducing because it can take them a couple of months to do all of the pre-approvals from an insurance perspective. And some of the regimens that we have now work so rapidly that patients can get into a very good partial remission or even a complete remission within two, maybe even even three cycles. In Michele Kava's presentations of VTD versus TD, that study was actually designed just to give three cycles of three weeks each. So compared to what we used to do, which was four cycles of VAD, which was 16 weeks and you sent the patient along eventually, I think it's even more important now to have a good relationship with the transplant folks and to refer patients early because they they may be ready for transplant a lot sooner than used to be the case.
0: What about trials I'm looking at this patient population right now?
2: Well, there are a lot of new drugs coming along and a lot of new combinations that are being looked at. There is a study which is looking, among other things, at Velcade Revdex versus Velcade Revdex with Cytoxan. And this in part was based on the Mayo Clinic experience with their so-called Cyborg D regimen, where they did Cytoxan with Velcade and Dexamethasone. And Cytoxan seems to be a very good drug to combine with both steroids as well as with Velcade. I've done it on a number of folks in the relapsed setting and they seem to tolerate it very well. And the nice thing about using it up front is that although it is an alkylating agent, it has less of an effect on stem cells, unlike melphalan. So I think the risks of things like MDS and secondary leukemia down the road with cytoxin up front are lessened. But as with any time we add drugs and make more complex regimens, The data that's out there does say that the four-drug regimen seems to be a little bit more toxic, and whether it actually adds in terms of response durability, it's not going to improve the response rate because that's already 100% with VRD, and then the question is how many more CRs and very good PRs will you get, and will that be balanced by the increased risk of toxicity, and I don't think we know the answer to that yet. So, Mike, what happened to your patient? I was worried about the
1: chromosome, and at that point, I was shying away from thalidomide. And I treated him up front with a combination of bortezomab, dexamethasone, and doxyl. And he tolerated it very well. I also right away referred him to a transplant center, knowing that our goal would be to get him to transplant. And also, just as an aside, he doesn't have any siblings so that wasn't really, we knew we weren't going to go that route up front of an allogeneic. So he received six cycles and really had very little problems. He had cellulitis that was easily managed, but otherwise did very well and had a major but not complete response in the sense that he always had a small M protein component around 0.4 to 0.3 milligrams per deciliter, but tolerated these six cycles very well. After that he went to the transplant center where he had a single high dose melphalan transplant peripheral blood stem cell which he completed in February 2008 again with very little problems and since then he's been followed without any maintenance treatment I had talked about that with the center and they said it was up to me and I left him off maintenance and he's a year out and From the first time I saw him post-transplant to now, he still runs a M protein of 0.1 to 0.2 milligrams per deciliter as the only evidence of his disease. Bob, can you comment on the
0: issue of liposomal doxorubicin in this situation?
2: Well, I think liposomal doxorubicin, as with some of the more, if you will, traditional drugs like cytoxan, these are drugs that are now making a bit of a comeback in multiple myeloma. And there's very nice data about their efficacy now, both in the relapsed setting as well as in the frontline setting. Whether you use something like a Velcade-Doxyl-based combination or a Velcade-Rev-based combination up front, I think is something that we don't know the answer to yet. Although, even though I'm a fan of liposomal doxorubicin, given our past experience in this area... I would say it's probably tough to argue with a 100% response rate with Velcade, Rev, and Dex, and that probably is my preferred regimen right now for most newly diagnosed transplant eligible patients, and I still reserve Doxal for the relapsed setting, especially if people have relapsed a fair amount of time after their initial exposure to Velcade. Alcade.